0: Hello and welcome to today's episode of CM Conversations. My name's Jerome Richards, a director of CM Medical, and I'm your host for today, alongside my colleague and fellow director, Ben Thompson. This year, it's fair to say that every company in every sector has had to deal with huge changes in some way, thanks to COVID-19. To talk a little bit more about the importance of agility, adaptability, and effective change management, we spoke with Will Flack and Rob Jenkins from F&J Agile Solutions. Will and Rob have both had distinguished careers in the medical devices space, with companies like Stryker and Merit Medical, and they formed FNJ to provide an agile consultancy, which offers a wide range of solutions to medical businesses all over the world. So I'm really excited to announce that CM Medical are partnering with FNJ to offer our clients an even wider range of solutions in addition to our recruitment service. If you have any questions for Will, Rob, Ben or myself about any of the points raised in this podcast, you can contact us at cmconversations at charltonmorris.com. Anyway, that's all from me for now. I hope you enjoy our conversation with Will and Rob from F&J. First of all, it
1: would be great, Will and Rob, if you guys could introduce yourselves properly to the conversation, um, and then I guess elaborate on F&J as a business as well and what you guys are doing, what you guys are offering.
2: So my name is Rob Jenkins, and along with uh, my friend Will, uh, I'm a founding partner of um, F&J Healthcare. Uh, my background, way back when, originally is finance, so I uh, qualified as a chartered accountant with Pricewaterhouse and pretty quickly decided that audit was not for me and went into industry. Uh, started in the energy industry for Shell Oil. Uh, And then went across to the generating industry and um, spent many years there. And about 20 years ago, got into the med tech sector and joined Stryker in a sort of business development role. Uh, And over a period of 12 years, got more and more into acquisition, mergers, and then general management. Had uh, two very exciting years as Managing Director of Stryker Italy. Um, which was um, I've got some great stories I can tell you about that and uh, then came back to the UK as managing director for the UK as well as being VP of the med division. Left uh, Stryker about uh, eight years ago now and uh, joined Merit Medical uh, not orthopedics actually on cardiology radiology and oncology and I was executive vice president for Europe Middle East and Africa and had a, a lot of great experience and made some great friends and Enjoyed myself there thoroughly and grew the business significantly. Uh, We were about 50 million when we started, just under 200 million when I left. And we did that through a a variety of organic growth, uh, talent and and hard work and also acquisition, which um, has been also successful, but uh, but a lot of hard work as well. And then about 12, 18 months ago, Will and I, we'd always had a conversation about uh, our next steps. And we always felt there was a niche in the market for a, a specialist uh, healthcare consultancy. Um, we, we both worked extensively with the big names in consulting, your Baines, your McKinsey's, so on and so forth, and had good experiences, but always felt that uh, you were getting a general general advice as opposed to really specific advice. And we felt there was a good opportunity to get a, a really experienced uh, executive team together with hands-on experience in the med tech sector. Uh, and so, so really, I think what sets us apart is that We feel we know the medtech sector very well. We can give uh, really good strategic advice uh, to small businesses, large businesses. But equally importantly, as well as giving that advice, we we feel we can roll our sleeves up and get in there and run the companies and deliver real value in a a sort of hands-on way. Um, So that's what F&J Healthcare is all about. Uh, We've got a very exciting team of talented executives that are working with us and, and really excited um with the opportunity to work with morris perfect
0: well thank you very much for a very thorough introduction rob um and will something you mentioned as well um about adaptability what f and j offer that is what we're going to touch on in quite a lot of detail today um obviously i understand you also come from the medical devices industry yourself as well will so you do have a background within this field
3: Yes, thank you, Jerome. Yep, I've uh, I started my career in pharmaceuticals uh, many years ago, and uh, and then I progressed into an orthopedic company, and I worked uh, within the Stryker environment for for over twenty five years, um, in sales, marketing, general management, um, running different businesses within their diverse uh, range and group of products. Uh, I was based in Amsterdam, in Europe, for several years. Uh, running various businesses as a general manager, and uh, was very lucky to and very fortunate to have a, a, a strong and, and, and decent career within that organization. I also had an interesting um, role within Striker, which was four years as VP of human resources. This enabled me to really understand the challenges around uh, change, the need for change, the importance of culture in organizations, the key in recruiting great people um, and the, the whole challenges around the diverse nature of different countries, different people, different businesses and different specialities, um, which really grounded me from that perspective. After that, uh, I worked for my own business for several years and uh, was able to work with a number of medical device organizations, including an Australian business that we took to market and was bought by a a major international medical device company. And then I spent several years working within the animal health sector, working around orthopedics and devices for companion animals for a company called Henry Shine. And then Rob and I, decided to set up we felt there was a really nice opportunity to set up a a company that can support the corporates where we felt that they had major gaps uh, within their armory where we could help them actually achieve their goals uh, particularly around the 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 challenges and changes within um, the corporate world and how quickly that was all changing. You guys have obviously spent significant
1: time across different therapies throughout your your career then so with f and j again we're going to go into adaptability is there a case here that you guys can offer support within any therapeutic space
2: i mean my my um uh perspective on this guys is uh, based on my experience like i spent a lot of time in orthopedics i spent a lot of time in cardiology i spent time in radiology i spent time in oncology and, you know, I do think there's a little bit of a myth out there that if you've worked in one of those sectors, you can't transfer those skills to another sector. And I have to say that especially I think the more senior that you get, the more senior the role that you are trying to fill, uh, the more common the issues that you have between all of those sectors. So I can tell you right now that 90 percent of the conversations 90 percent of the issues that I was addressing when I was leading a cardiology business was the same as when I was running an orthopedics business. And it really came down a lot to, to HR, to talent, uh, to, you know, strategic decision making, to mergers, to acquisitions. And I think there's a huge, huge commonality across the piece. And I think, so I'd say that number one at a a general manager level, but also I think from a functional level, if you are going to go in, if you're a great CFO, uh, if you're a great HR VP, you will be a great CFO and HR VP, whether you're in diagnostics, whether you're in orthopedics, or quite fr- frankly, any other sector. I mean, those skills, I think, are, are massively transferable. So I think across the whole the whole med tech sector, um, great, great people will do a great job wherever they are.
3: I think that's a fantastic synopsis, Rob. I think the other thing, certainly from my experience, and I'm sure Rob will say the same, is when you've worked in a particular speciality, you move to another. You're able to take what you've learned from that and impart it into the next next speciality of a company or a different organisation, and vice versa. So all the time you're you're moving and changing and seeing different organisations, you're able to adapt, and that's one of the greatest things that I've enjoyed in a in a in a decent career, um, which is I hope is going to continue nicely for the next ten years. It's something that is critical. It's part of change. It's the part of to able to re. Uh, to adapt and reset and see different organizations and take those learning lessons through with you and communicate those to different organizations. And I think that's something we we both feel very strongly that we can impart, we can add value to, and which are key to any successful organization is that ability to be able to adapt and to change.
0: That actually brings me on perfectly to the one question I was interested to ask you both and direct at the, the both of you and um, Will you may choose to answer or, or Rob you might want to interject is why why is it so important do you feel to be nimble and adaptable to change um, particularly with everything that's going on in today's climate?
3: There are many business books written on change. I'm have. i looking over to my right and I have a a, a large shelf. I'll be honest with you, I've read a few, not all of them, but I'm sure the audience listening to this podcast has read many, many books. My Iceberg is Melting, all the different various famous business library on change management. We all know it's critical. But I think we'd all admit that if we look at COVID-19, If you look at technology, if you look at the big shift now to big data, to artificial intelligence, just look at the way we're communicating today. Change is accelerated. Change is happening faster. And having that ability to adapt to a vastly changing environment, which we've seen with COVID, is reinforced and accelerated and re-enhanced the ability for organizations to change. I've got some really nice examples. Maybe I can touch on, on on large CEOs who are saying, do you know what? We're not going to go back to life as we were before. You know, things are changing. We've seen a new world out there. We may not use the real estate. We may, we may operate. We may have a, a hybrid model of people working, not going into offices. And also we're looking at how we can tighten our belts to still provide to our stakeholders the profitability within an organization. And another area I'm really passionate about is the corporate social responsibility within change as well. The new generation of employees, the people that are recruiting into the organization want to see more than just profit. They want to see the value that the organizations can provide to the environment, to altruistic support. And of course, the legal side is, is strengthening on corporate social responsibility to make sure companies do work on that side. But ultimately, a good organization is successful, and that's the best support they can give to their employees, so I think change is, is just accelerated. It's always been there. It's always constant. It's just got quicker over the
2: last few years. You sometimes hear companies talk about, "Do we change? Don't we change?" as if it's an optional, well, an option. And I don't think it is an option. I mean, I think you've got external factors. You've got internal factors. For sure, the world, the external factors, the world around us is changing fast. And of course, we all focus on COVID nineteen right now. But you know, even before COVID nineteen. Uh, huge amounts of change, uh, Brexit, there's a political change, uh, technological change with the way we interact with each other, um, the way within the medical sector, the way we treat patients, the way we monitor patients, uh, social change, uh, the way younger generations expect to be treated, the way they approach their careers, you know, massive um, change coming from the outside. So is it really optional for a company? To change or not, I don't think so. Uh, so they either accept it and em- embrace it, move with it, or they are going to suffer poor business results. And I think that's 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 prudent. And I think uh, there was a lot of change taking place even before COVID nineteen. I think a lot of the old corporate structures, certainly within the medtech sector, where you had a, a very traditional large sales sales force. Uh, large marketing, costs built in congresses we all went to every year. You know, I think of that business model, uh, a lot of companies are finding don't work in the new environment. And, and increasingly now, companies are avoiding putting in fixed costs. They want to have agile structures that can address projects as and when they come up. That might be uh, through an acquisition uh, uh, and a subsequent integration. It could be through a, a disposal. It could be through a project launch. I think increasingly what companies and meta companies are trying to do now is have a, a core team that work, focuses on the 80 90% of the business, but increasingly trying to build agile, flexible solution solutions around the other 10 20%. Um, that's the way we think the industry is going, and that's one of the reasons that we set up F&J, because we really think we can address that 10 20%.
1: Say, you know, create a scenario here. If there was a business leader that was coming out the back end of COVID, for example, um, how would that person, how, how would they go about accepting such a, an or a change on their company at that point? If they were so familiar with the process, the company had been operating in a certain way for the last five years. First of all, how would they accept the change and how would they manage or implement a change? And at the same time, keep everyone engaged, keep everyone happy. Uh, You know, if if you were advising someone in that way, how would you go about it? Or go through that circumstance?
2: You know, from from my perspective, along the way, I spent a lot of time um, partnering up with a lot of my uh, contemporaries in the medtech industry. So uh, I was on the the board of uh, medtech Europe for a, a couple of years and so I had the opportunity to sit alongside a lot of senior executives in the industry. And, and Ben, what I'd say is, you know, they, they, most of the senior executives know about this change. You know, there aren't many people out there that you really have to persuade the case saying, are you going to change or not? I mean, I, I think within the sector, you have a lot of forward thinking executives who want to make change. But and here's the challenge. Uh, a lot of executives are have very large organizations with built-in costs built-in structures making change in those sectors is sometimes uh, difficult costly uh, can take a length of time and I think really what uh, a lot of executives try and do is work out how do they make that change as quickly as possible without hemorrhaging business and maintaining the business I think that's the challenge it's it's you know, you don't often have to persuade people for the need for change, it's how do you do it? And how do you do it in an effective way that allows you to get from A to B, look after your customers, uh, and manage the financials, and let's be honest, most big companies in some way or another report into some sort of market that has expectations. And so I think it's, the, the case I think is made for change. I think the challenge is starting the journey uh, and working alongside some talented people who can help you make that change.
1: You think there are certain things to prioritize? Again, going back to that scenario, if 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 you were, you know, bullied into telling us what your first priority would be, if you had to make change, where would you go first?
2: For me, I'd start with people. I'd start with talent. I mean, I I think the the single most important thing that I've learned in my time in, in the medical industry is the single you know, by far the single most important thing is getting the most talented group of people together. And, and developing a clear strategy and incentivizing them properly, and then I think big leaders then sit back and and, and monitor and course correct, but just put a so put I'd put ninety percent of my effort into picking the right team, to make that change, um, communicating the change, getting real commitment to the change, and working with that team to deliver the change. And I think if you do that, you're ninety percent of the way towards success.
3: No, I, th- I think I think it's this is a this is a whole topic, um, Ben and Jerome. Change management—it's it, a huge topic. I think it depends on the DNA of the organization: uh, decentralized, centralized. But ultimately, Rob's talked about it. You've got to have you've got to have fantastic leadership. You've got to make some of those changes are tough decisions. And what's happened with. COVID-19, and you know, I'm strongly confident we're going to come out of this in 2021 stronger and fitter and better as organisations, but there's going to be some tough, organized, tough changes there as well. And companies will realise that they can make changes faster, they can adapt quicker, and they can be a bit more perhaps revolutionary about how they look at their businesses. And I think that's one of the underlying areas that's going to support change going on into the future. But it's got to be the it's got to be the leadership of organizations, it's got to be the communication of the organizations. And it's got to be, you know, keeping that drum beating to get people to communicate in the right way. For change to work, people have got to see the value, the stakeholders, and the stakeholders are the, the shareholders of the company, they're the employees of the company. And ultimately, they're the customers. So if you're customers are struggling in um, a current environment you need to change you've got to adapt to those and that that means tough decisions and it means communicating those tough decisions and I think if the communication is good at a leadership level I think that the employees the, the stakeholders appreciate what that change needs to be and um, you know I just think it's 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 part of business that will always be there it's just got it's just got and more it's really
0: interesting to hear you mentioned the, um the communication between leadership employees and well, it's internal and the external stakeholders as well. Um, One thing I think you've already answered is a question I was going to ask with regards to, um, is it important that you can be adaptable to facilitate growth? Um, But it's more a case of why is it so imperative that you can be versatile, not just in today's market, but just because of COVID-19, but in, in the broader scheme of things,
3: well, I think, I think a, a simple way that, and I'm sure the audience will really understand this, is, is um, disruptive technology, where you have a technology that comes in and it totally takes away what was there before. And if you don't adapt and change to that technology, a good one would be, I don't know, Kodak films, for example, and digital cameras coming in. That's the, the classic example. But if you're unable to adapt and see that from a leadership perspective, um, from a strategic perspective, to see those changes happening, then you're in trouble. And I think that type of thing where the business can fail if you do not change is probably what keeps the the, 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 the senior leaders of many organizations, whatever industry they're in, awake at night.
2: So the adaptability piece, I think, is, is so important because the world is changing so fast. Again, let's go back to these external factors and Look at, look at Brexit, look at the technological change that is coming down the line. Uh, you know, organisations have to adapt quickly to be able to respond. And, and I think if you are a, a young executive now uh, in the med tech sector and, and you want to build up to a, a really successful career, get to the top, top management, I think one of the things that you have to demonstrate in your career is adaptability. And, you know, for sure, I think if a company is looking for, a say, a C-level individual uh, an individual who can demonstrate that they've worked in different sectors in different disciplines uh in in different countries um will be the person who really impresses because i think companies now realize how important it is to have people who can can think laterally uh, not always go down the same the same route and i think this all comes back to that uh, adaptability piece and that's 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 what would be within the dna of an organization
1: that leads on quite nicely to our next question, which is where you guys come in, where, it's, where F&J come in to, to the picture. Um, and what we'd like to know, um, I guess, firstly, is if you guys could elaborate just a bit more on where F&J can, can help an organization, you know, I guess from a functionality perspective would be a great place to start. But also why outsourcing elements of the business is a great idea for a company that need assistance within those functions.
3: Okay, so I mean, if I could touch on just the outsour- outsourcing of the business, one of the things from my um, life working on the other side, perhaps in, in, within the corporate groups, was you try to avoid using external consultants where you can, but if you did, you would use them for certain projects. Now, there's a slightly less trendy version of the definition of strategy, which is sometimes what we decide that we don't do rather than what we do do. And, you know, it's very difficult to say, we're not going to do this, you're not going to do that. And so if you look at a divestiture or if you look at an acquisition, it often takes an enormous amount of time of the people within that organization to be involved in those pro- to those processes, due diligence, etc. We can support and take that pressure off at F&J Agile Solutions and support that to enable them to do other other jobs and continue to, to maintain and manage and develop their, their existing business. So sometimes it's it's counterintuitive where you feel that you've got another project there's a there's an acquisition but it can actually take the eye off the ball of the key business slowing that down and we, we feel strongly that we, that's one good area that we can we can add value and, and certainly we've had a number of customers that are pretty 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 pleased with the support we think that we provided them with a number of jobs in in the past so that that i think is a, is a reasonable example of that
2: rob so I think what we've deliberately done is is, is in, true, in choosing the team members that we we um, have on our roster at FJ, have deliberately picked people who fit into that flexible, agile mold. And you know, one of the things Will and I said when we set uh, set up this business was that we wanted to work with people we liked, and we wanted to have some fun, and we wanted to work with some of the best people in the industry. And I think that's the criteria that we've used in picking the team. So we have a, a roster of people on board who can move fast, can come into an organization, uh, can build bridges, can communicate, uh, can work very well with any team, but most importantly, can make a real impact fast because they're just talented individuals with a great track record and great experience. And let's take uh, the work that we think we can do with Charlton Morris. And you know, I know you guys get this talent piece. We use this word talent a lot. And one of the reasons that we wanted to work with Charlton Morris is that we know that you guys really buy into how important talented individuals are and the difference it can make to an organization. But look, we we know if you are setting out to fill a CEO or CFO or a sales director position, that can take a long time. That can take a long time to get that individual on board. From when you actually go out and start to source it, from interview stage to selection, to making an offer, uh, to working through a notice period, it can be anything up to three to six months before you complete uh, a, a brief that you have. Now, what happens in that three to six months? I mean, what's a company meant to do? Does it sit on its hands and not progress the business? I mean, we would suggest not. And, and we think it's very important that during that interim period, uh, the business progresses, um, and decisions are made, and the business runs effectively. And we really think that's one of the areas that we can come in and, and make a difference with Charlton Morris. So don't let the business stagnate in that interim period. Work with Charles Morris, get the best people, and in the meantime, make sure that the business moves forward. So we, we think that interim management piece is, is very important. And one more area, if I may. I mean, we do have some real experts on our books. So uh, we have so for example, I'll mention Corey Mozak, who's one of our HR experts. And Corinne was, was head of um, remuneration and benefits for uh, Striker Europe. She also did the same job for Amazon Europe. She, she knows the European market inside out. And you have companies trying to set up, uh, or say a company based in the States or in the Far East that want to set up a business in Europe. And some of the technicalities can make or break a business. You know, if you, if you go and base yourself in the wrong place, or, or you put the wrong contracts in place, or the wrong remuneration structure... It can take you a long time to recover from that. So so we really believe we can offer some good specialist advice alongside Charlton Morris that really allows companies to hit the ground running and make, make their businesses a big success.
0: What you were just speaking about is really interesting because I'm sure both myself and Ben could provide countless examples of when we have worked on assignments um, and we have completed our end almost of the um of the work and there is always an interim period, not just in terms of us performing our work, but there are obviously notice periods. We're talking about the interim management. There are always notice periods to adhere to, longer the notice period at a more senior level as well. So that interim management solution is probably something that we've not been able to offer previously. And that is why we are incredibly excited about collaborating with F&J Solutions, because we believe that that you can bring almost something into our org offering that we, we didn't have previously. And I think that's probably something that we can reciprocate and increase your offering as well. Um, so we're really, really excited to announce this collaboration and think it can be great for everybody that we work with. Um, and we're just really, really keen to effectively vocalize this message and get it out there as to why we can, uh, why we can work together and provide a lot of support to the businesses that we're working with. Um, I'm sure while we're already collaborating on a number of things, and I think it's more just a case of now making the companies we're working with aware of exactly the fact it's not just limited to change management, but also HR solutions. Um, and with our expertise in a field, with talent acquisition, how we can hand over and work synergistically with the offering that you guys
2: have as well. Yeah, we, we agree. We're really excited about it. And, and I think, Charlotte Morris, uh, with the, your ethos and the way you you run your business, we think you're a perfect partner for us. And I think, you know, you have that commitment to talent and getting the best people uh, for companies. And, and that's our ethos as well. And I just think they're two complementary services that really fit the way that the the med tech sector is going right now so we we couldn't be more excited about where we go next
1: is there a you know a, a timeline on the services that you guys can offer to a to an organization or is is it unlimited until the job's
3: done i guess I think that's a that's an excellent question, Ben. One of the things that I think is really important and we 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 feel that this is another opportunity to work with you guys at Charlton Morris is that we can actually help integrate the new person as well, the new the new head. So we can have a crossover period where we can cross over and support with our, our experience and, and the backup of that. So, you know, where a, a company may be completely short of a an international marketing expert in a very specialized area they don't have that skill we can bring somebody in to support that and then when the full-time person comes on they can help on board them and then have that transitional phase which again is 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 quite unusual and a slight a very innovative um, way of looking at the offerings that we, we both can provide in our partnership and just to be clear we're
0: not just talking about interim management if we're focusing on that piece for if it's replacement but also for expansion if there is businesses that are going to expand into new geographies or into new disciplines that's an area where your expertise can um, can step in as well so it doesn't necessarily have to be a case of there's a position vacated it could be a new role and you could be helping formulate that
2: absolutely i think that's a very good point yeah i think that's, that's that's a very very good point it's not just about Fit in those specific roles. I mean, if I look at, for example, Will's experience uh, in his time as being VP HR of a, of a very large multinational, and say Corey Mozat's experience, if you say had a, a client who was looking to take a step into Europe for the first time and set up a structure, you know, I think what we would have liked to do is almost sit down with them and help them think about their strategy. So, how do they launch in Europe? Where do they launch in Europe? What's the right structure for them? Uh, is it a direct? Is it direct sales force, Is it distributor? Where should they base themselves? And I think you know, we're between Will and Corinne and some of our other um, uh, great people we have on board. There's a lot of good strategic advice we can give before they take that next step of going to point people into teams. So I, I think again, what we could offer is 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 a sounding board and some good strategic advice before they really dive which in. Which is perfect.
3: Yeah, which can which can excuse me, which can really help with the profitability of that product project. You know, if you think about tax efficiencies, you think about labor law, you think about um, tailwinds as well as headwinds that you can face when you put somebody in there. And many of our experiences could be North American companies who are looking to set up a, uh, a a company in Germany or in the Netherlands, where do they best put their warehouse? Where is the best place? What tax opportunities are there to support that? Where are the best places from a, from a corporate um, from 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 a logistics perspective there are many different challenges around that including employment contracts which are often neglected and they're often having to catch those up at the very end once the the, the role is already already provided so some of the unglamorous stuff as well that we're we're very keen to be able to support and help with as well from that perspective yeah that,
0: i mean that's fantastic there are a lot of yeah there are a lot of scenarios Yeah, I think both, um, not just myself and Ben, but our team have come across those sorts of scenarios where we step in from that point, once it's been outlined, like you say, that strategic input, you mentioned warehousing, if it's going to be a case of the contractual side of things, where best to appoint people with commercial models. And then that is where we could step in once it's been clarified and outlined to identify the right talent, um, screen them and present them based on what the best suitable option would be for that business because now we've provided a more 360 degree approach, highlighting what their needs are and what's going to be beneficial for them. Then we can source the right talent. It's okay sourcing talent, but if it's not going to be strategically aligned for the business's goals, then sometimes it can't necessarily be the best thing, but the collaborative solution that we can offer will ensure the best for the businesses that we're working.
2: I think as well, guys, it's um, important to say you, you when we've been, been talking, we tended to talk about corporates and, larger organizations. But I mean, I think there's a, there's a real service there that that we together could offer to small companies, entrepreneurs who are building businesses, want to take their first steps out into the market and need to understand um, how to get market access, how to build a team. And, you know, for example, this afternoon, I was talking to um, a head of business development of a group of universities. And, and this guy, his university may have 20, 40 projects at any one time that they, they are the academic staff are working on, and his job is to commercialize some of those projects. And you know, we're having a great conversation around well, well, how does he do that? And how does he get this 20, 30 projects, put it into a filter and get the 10 projects that are going to work? And again, I think what we can do is work with uh, whether it's a surgeon, whether it's an entrepreneur, someone who has a great idea uh, and wants to know. How to develop this product, this idea, so it becomes a thriving company, and I think you know there, there's a big opportunity there for say F and J to work with them, and then at a point sit down with Charlton Morris, and Charlton Morris puts the team in place. So, you know, I think I think there's so many uh, you know great great products, great ideas that don't make it where they should make it, and and really sometimes it it's not because it's not a great idea, not a great product, it's because those organisations don't have the right early advice about how to get IP in place, how to get structure in place, and then how to go to an organization like Charlton Morris and get those first the right type of salespeople to work almost in a business development way as opposed to a traditional sales way. And I think there's there's there a lot of people out there who would really like to sit down with F and J, with Charlton Morris and say, look guys, I've got this great product, I've got this great idea, help. Where do I go next? And so, so as well as that traditional, established, on-the-market company needing to go and build, expand, I think there's also a real niche there for, for helping out that, that smaller entrepreneur uh, inventor to really get their products up and running.
0: I'm really happy that you touched on that, Rob, actually, because we do a huge amount of um, recruitment currently with startup and small-to-medium-sized enterprises. So I think it's really important to highlight Um, You mentioned it earlier as well, Will, businesses that are centred in North America that may be looking for a European or EMEA expansion. That is something we have a lot of experience doing in terms of sourcing from talent, from a talent perspective. But to now understand, we actually have um, the solutions that you guys can offer with regards to how to outline the business from a strategic perspective and how to highlight degrees of importance and actually, let's say, get a business put in place before we actually look to acquire talent um, we also do have a marketing house team in-house as well that can actually help with employer branding. I know you guys have both spoken with our marketing department as well. Um, so I think with everything that Charlton Morris and um, F&J Agile Solutions can offer, we do have a fully comprehensive offering, um, not just for multinationals, but for startup enterprises and small to medium-sized businesses as well.
2: Yeah. Sure, I think it's a really important area. And I know, again, with Will and Corinne's expertise, just getting the structure set up, the right contracts in place, you guys going out and searching for the best individuals, um, I think it's a really exciting prospect. You know, there's lots of ways that we can work together to be successful. And, and so, you know, we're not just flexible and agile in the way we provide people. We can be flexible and agile in the way we structure um, working together, if that makes sense.
3: How can we talk about change? How can we, we try and give an opinion on change unless we're able to adapt and change ourselves? And we both strongly feel that that is, that is pretty key to our partnership as well.
0: I'd like to thank you both very much for your time this evening. Um, it has been a, a pleasure been a to pleasure. speak with you um, from both mine and, and I'm sure from Ben's side as well. Um, so thank you very much for that. And we really look forward to continuing our collaboration. And um,
2: We're really, really excited about this.
3: Thank you, guys.
2: Nice one, yeah, that's two. Okay, that's
0: two. That was our conversation with Will Flack and Rob Jenkins from F and J Agile Solutions. We're really excited to announce our partnership with F and J, and I'd like to thank both Rob and Will for their time. Both Ben and I found the chat about all things change management and the importance of adaptability incredibly insightful, and we hope you did too. Once again, if you have any questions about any of the points raised in our discussion, you can get in contact at cmconversations at charltonmorris.com. That's all for now, but from me, Jerome Richards, and Ben Thompson from CM Medical, thanks for listening and goodbye.